Good evening. <coughs> this is the Parashat Ajibua Shir by Chaim Bravinder. Uh, we are going to um, study something in the parish of Niketz. Also, we have to kind of connect it to Hanukkah in some way. This year is being given in loving memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman Zal by his family. And um, I will have something to say about that a little bit later on. I tried to point to the idea that in the struggle between Yehuda and Yosef about who is going to be the king of the family and ultimately the king of Israel, the changes in the names, the names are somehow indicative of what is going to happen. So we know that Yaakov, his name was changed from Yaakov to Israel, Yaakov to Israel, but that name change was not perfect. It wasn't like Avram becoming Abraham. It wasn't that way, because when God changed Avram's name to Abraham, that change was permanent, final. It indicated who Abraham really was. This is not true when God changed Yaakov's name to Yisrael, because Yaakov retained his old name and also had a new name. And sometimes he was Yaakov and sometimes he was Yisrael. So I tried to understand, I tried to understand that in, in the following way, that Rashi also points out that Yaakov, the name Yaakov, refers to a very physical act. Yaakov grabbing on to the heel of Esau at birth. Kind of physical thing, whereas Yisrael is about the battle that Yaakov waged against an angel. But certainly, you don't fight angels quite in the same way as you fight with, uh, with people. So that Yaakov was the person also, you know, when he left there, it's Kenan, he uh, met up with this vision of angels going up the ladder and then down. And when he came back to Eretz Israel, something similar happened. And the angels of Chutzla Eretz, of outside the diaspora, angels gave way to Eretz Israel angels. So Yaakov's own, and, and you can go through the parashiot and you'll find it again and again that what Yaakov was doing, what Yaakov was doing was something special. Uh, he, he, he achieved things that Abraham and Yitzchak did not seem to achieve. But at the other hand, Yaakov was a more complex personality. Yaakov lied, Yaakov cheated his brother, Yaakov had to run away from the brother who wanted to kill him. I mean, this is all quite quite remarkable. And and in last week's parasha, just when Yaakov thought he was had done everything that he had to do, and that his life could now take a more relaxed mode. Oh, no, Yosef, Yosef started making trouble as well. So Yaakov, 
Yaakov, the name change in Yaakov represents not the change in his personality, but the fact that he was often able to excel, to be unique, to be remarkable. But that was not the fact all the time. He wasn't always exactly that way. And so in terms of the leadership of the family, the one who is closest to Yaakov was Yehuda. And we saw that in the story of Yehuda and Tamar. And Yehuda, Yehuda uh, was the one who, who was called Yehuda by his mother, Leah, because she gave thanks. Thanks, Hodaya. She was able to give thanks for having another child. She made uh, she made an assessment that she would rightfully only have three children, three sons, because Yaakov had four wives, and four into twelve is three. But she had four. She had four sons, so she called him Yehuda because that was something about his nature. And so Yehuda, when confronted with the fact that Tamar was probably the person he had slept with, Yaakov, uh, uh, Yehuda says, Sadkami many. She's the righteous one. He gave in, he gave up, he admitted. He was the one who was Hodaya. He said, I, I did a bad thing, but I can do a good thing which I thought at the time made him similar to Yaakov, a person with two names. Yehuda had only one name, but it demanded a certain kind of reaction. Finally, we get to Yosef, and Yosef also has, hard to believe, a, a name change. So if we look at the text, Perik mem aluf pasuk lametet. Vayomet paro Yosef paro said to Yosef, Achrei hodia elokimot cha et kol zot. After God has told you the interpretation of the dreams and what I should do and how I should be, right? This is paro talking. Eina volvi chacham kamocha. Yosef said, You got to find somebody who fits into the category of navon. V'chacham, right? Navon v'chacham. Rashi says, "Levakesh ish navon v'chacham shamarta." You told me to look for a person who fits into that category of navon v'chacham. Really smart, wise, understanding. Lo nimtzakamocha. Rashi. He says. Paro says. Okay. Pasuk me mahalif ayom v'parol Yosef. You're going to be responsible for all of Mitzrayim. He took his signet ring off. And he gave it to Yosef, put it on his hand. He, he dressed him with uh, uh, fine linens, clothing. Yasim Rivida Zahabal Tsavaroni put the uh, uh, the uh, an amulet of indicating kingship 
on his neck. And he gave him, you know, he put him into the local Mercedes. The second one, the, the, the one right under the, the, the kind of car that they used for the king. And they called out Avrech, whatever that meant. And he was in charge. He was in charge of everything. So if you look at Avrech uh, Rashi, see the Rashi, I'm, I'll underline it. Avrech, Kitargumo, Kitargumo. As Uncle is translated, you know that sometimes when, when Rashi says Kitargumo, he means. I have complete faith in in Nicholas. I mean, he just knew. He knew what he was talking about. He knew how to translate. Dain Abba Lemalka, a father of the king. Rach, Rach, Ab, Av. They called him Av Rech. So it's like an agglutinized word. In Hebrew, they don't have words like that, right? I mean, it's like it doesn't fit in. But that's that's what 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 he says, you know, like the word telephone is agglutinative. It's made up of two pieces, each of which has a meaning, tele and phone. So that's the same thing with this word. Hebrew doesn't work that way, but av, reich. So, so av is abba. Reich or rach, bilashon arami, melech means a king. Rashi says, where that's a, a, a place where the word rach means king. With the way Agada, Rashi adds, the Rashi Rabbi Yehuda, Avreich, ze Yosef. Avreich is Yosef, a reference to Yosef. Shehu av bechachma verab. He's a master of wisdom, but very young, still very young. Amalo Rabbi Yossi ben Durbaskit How long we have to put up to this unclear interpretation? Ain Avrech Elishon Avrech is got in it. Uh, the Hebrew word berech. A berech is a, a berech is a uh, knee. Ela leshon birkayim shekola yu dichnasim biyotzim tarad yado. I guess it means that everybody who came in to the past castle and then went out, they all did it, you know, bowing down to him. Kinyan shenavar v'naton oto. So they called him Avreich. What I see from Rashi is, we don't know exactly what that word means. But, but that's not so important. What is important is, what is important is, Ayome Paro, here, Avreich, whatever it means, they recognized him. What Paro wanted, was that they should see everybody would know that Yaakov, that Yosef was in charge. 
And that was something that had to happen fast for some reason. For some reason, that was, we don't always know the details, but we do know, we do know that, that it had to happen. And that's how he became in charge of Kol Eretz Mitzrayim. Ayome Parol, Yosef, Ani Parol. Parol said, I want you to make a mistake and think that uh, you're getting my position. But you are going to have the final say. Okay. Now Pasuk Mem Hey is the Pasuk that we're looking for. Pasuk Mem Hey says, by Yikra Paro Shem Yosef Sofnat Paneach. Paro gave Yosef a name. And the name that he gave him was Sofnat Paneach. Rashi, Rashi says, you see the Rashi towards the bottom of this. Sofnat Paneach. Mefaresh Atsuno, he explains the things that are hidden. In other words, Sofnat is simple is similar to the word Safun. Remember the Pesach Seder, hidden away. The Afikoman is hidden away. And Pa'aneach is a Hebrew word which means to decipher. So that was Yosef. He deciphered the things that were hidden, right? And then Rashi adds. The ain lefaneach, the word lefaneach, doesn't ain lefaneach dimayom b'mikra. Doesn't have any other, no other word, which is connected to that root. You know that Rashi had a dictionary, right? And the dictionary, that's what the dictionary told him. I want to get into that now. So I don't know whether we could say that we do understand that we don't understand because there's the Ibn Ezra. You see the Ibn Ezra? Sofdat Paneach. Ibn Ezra says, like, like anybody ever had a tour de force against Rashi? This is it. So he says, Im Zohamila Mitzrit, Loya Danu Perushat. says, if Paro, who was an Egyptian, called Yosef by a name. So he would call him a name in Egyptian. And you know, you notice that people from different countries have names that are not the same as the people from other countries. So Ibn Ezra says, Im Zohamila Mitzrit, if Sofdat Paneach is Egyptian, lo yadanu peusha, vim hi mitorgemet, if it's if it's a translation of something. So if it's a translation of something, it must be as Rashi says. Okay. Rashi could be correct. That's off the panek. But I'd like to know what his name was. What name did Paro call Yosef? If Sofdat Panech is Hebrew or something similar to Hebrew. How would Yo, how would Paro know any of that? And why would that be in line with what Paro seems to be interested in? If you look back in the Pasuk, it says, We lo et osnat. He gave him a wife, but Leisha. al And Yosef took over the whole 
of Eretz Mitzrayim, the whole of the land of, of Mitzrayim. So here we come to 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 Tzofdat uh, Parnea. I think that the Benezra is correct. If it's in Hebrew, it's a translation. And if it's an Egyptian word, then I don't know what it means. Then I don't know what it means. Okay. But what happened to Yosef? If you look at the Pasuk, I mean, obviously what happened to Yosef was that he became an Egyptian as far as the Egyptians were concerned. He wasn't like a foreign wise person who was brought in for his wisdom. Pharaoh turned Yosef into the leader of the country and also turned him into an Egyptian. So you have this idea that even though Yosef was a tzaddik, a tzaddik, and he was able to deal with the inclination that he had to to accept the overtures of, of Potiphar's wife, he kept himself under control in spite of that. In spite of that, he was not worthy of the leadership demanded. He was not worthy of the leadership that was demanded because he had become an Egyptian. I mean, after all, who exactly did he speak to in Hebrew? Who did he relate to? I mean, he might have been able to maintain certain customs that he uh, that he got from his father, but I guess that was acceptable within the context of being the leader of the Egyptians. But Yosef, Yosef lost his identity in Mitzrayim. And whatever the words Sofdat Paneach mean, they reflect the idea that Yosef was not, that Yosef was not at this time the son of Yaakov. He had to be uncovered, he had to be recovered, he had to go against the grain that Paro had established for him. He had to deny his purpose. He had to somehow climb back to the family that he left when he was sold into the Egyptian, into, into the Egyptian world. So there's a hint. I'm not saying that Yehuda didn't do anything or that Yosef didn't do anything. I just say there's a hint in the Pasuk about a, a name change that Yosef underwent. But that name change that he underwent was counterindicated. It was against the kind of name change we're looking for. It's not Yaakov becoming Israel. It's rather almost like Israel becoming Yaakov. And so we have a further indication that the names are important. I don't think we could leave without uh, saying something about the candles of Hanukkah. I told you that, I didn't tell you, 
but several nights ago in Teaneck, in New Jersey, always amazed to hear that Teaneck is still around, but I guess it is. Teaneck, New Jersey, there was a memorial evening, mostly made up of the family of Dr. Feldman. Ten years since his untimely death. And his son, Daniel, uh, spoke about Hanukkah. He died on the, Dr. Feldman died on the second or third night of Hanukkah, as I understood it. And Daniel said, uh, he started out by asking the question that he said, that everybody asks and want to know what the, what are we celebrating on, on uh, Hanukkah? So most people would answer, it's something to do with the oil and the miracle, etc. But uh, Daniel pointed out that, you know, after Yitzhak Mitzrayim and the miracles that God undertook, to make sure that the Jews would be able to leave Mitzrayim. It's hard to compare the miracle of a cruise of oil going on for eight days when there was only one day of oil there. I mean, you would think that that would be an easy one. Of course, God could do that. Not really something uh, too remarkable. Then Daniel said that in the family, I mean, in his family, there was kind of a position that was adopted that was repeated time after time about what it was, what it was that we have to be happy about and what it is we're celebrating on the day of Hanukkah. And he said, look, the Greeks went into the Beit HaMikdash. And they were able, they were able to destroy everything. So they destroyed the oil. They knew that the Jews wanted oil and the oil was special and they, they destroyed it. So there was a Kohen. We don't know who it was, but there was a Kohen who was responsible for the oil and decided to hide some of the oil from the Greeks. Kind of having an optimistic position on the future. And that Cohen, we don't know his name, but he was responsible for the oil. And that Cohen, that Cohen was able to create like an optimistic spirit about the future, about what would what was going to be. So I like that. I thought that was really, um, it was a nice idea. So in payment for getting a nice idea, I'm gonna review a nice idea. And that a nice idea is at the beginning of Titzabe, the parish of Titzabe, and it's found in the HaMek Davar, which we will try to learn, which we will try to learn together. The Pasuk says, Go and command B'nai Yisrael. Everything is a command. 
everything that Moshe Rabbeinu says, what is what is the special command? Oil, oil that is that comes out of olives, clean the best of the of the oil, the first squeeze that you make on the on the olive. And you use that oil to make a, a candle. Ner tamid is to light up a candle. Tamid. Tamid, we know, means from night to night. From night to night, la not ner tamid. Rashi has a different take on it. La not ner tamid. Rashi says, Madlik you light it, but you have to wait when you light uh, if you light the Hanukkah menorah of oil, if you light oil, you know that this is true. You have to wait until it sort of like catches on, catches on fire till the till the uh, the fire, the, the flame goes up on its on its own. And then there's the word tamid, always. What does that mean? Rashi says, even though they, they didn't do it always. They did it only from night to night. So Rashi says, that's cool tamid, that's always. Moshe ta'omer, ola tamid. The ola, the sacrifice that was given every day, is called tamid, even though it was given in the morning. And the side of meal offering sacrifice also says tamid. It all summoned was, was sacrificed in the morning and summoned the evening. Sometimes, so lechem apanim, the showbread that is put on that special table is there from week to week. So that's, that is a different kind of tamid. That's the kind of tamid we, we thought about. So Rashi, Rashi uh, explains about the oil, right? But the oil, what is it that the Pesach is talking about? But the Ahmek Davar, the Nitziv, Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, he wrote a Perush, on the Chumash. He was a Rashi Shiva, the Rashi Shiva Volojan. He wrote a parish on the Chumash. He would give a shear every morning on the parasha, right? To learn a few more psukim. It took him years and years. And he had came up with a very interesting and I think legitimately we can call it a kind of modern, a more modern kind of parish. So what does he say? He says, what is all of this? What he said, he said the most of it because then. I'll just read out the the abbreviations, but I, I want to explain them. He says the point of all this, like he's talking about, he's talking about the oil and the light, the yesh ladat. He says everybody has to know the or ha-Torah, the light of the Torah, light. Torah is light, light is Torah. It's a metaphor that everybody has heard and knows. Shehu Tachlita Mishkan, which is the 
purpose of building the Mishkan, and that's what enables us to feel the presence of God in in Am Yisrael. Baba Shefa, there's a, a tremendous amount of Yedei Emtsaut Kodesh. This state of affairs where Am Yisrael feels its connection to God is aided and embedded by Shnei Klei Kodesh, two holy vessels. What are the two holy vessels? Haidu Ha'aron Ha'amnorah. The things that determine our spiritual achievement, I will say it in that way, who we are spiritually, who we are related to, right to God, they are the ark and the menorah, the can the the menorah, the menorah. Vinishtanu pe'ulotehem. And these two things are not the same. They're not just you get a little menorah and you get a little aron. No, no, they're different. They're different. Nishtanu bepulotehem. Aron ba the ark, liyud adibrot shebichtav. They're a place where we keep the dibrot, the Ten Commandments that came down with Moshe Rabbeinu from Har Sinai. The Gamlet Sivui Bekabalah Ba'alpeh. Gamlet Sivui Bekabalah Ba'alpeh. Also, all the things that were told to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. Ki Moshe Katavnu Le'el, as he's already explained, Vadayin ain baze koach hapilpul. So, I think what he's saying is, what he's saying is that when Moshe came down from Har Sinai, he came down with a written Torah, a little bit, and then he would write the Torah down during the thirty-eight years of the desert, and. There was this idea, there was this idea that the Torah, the Torah is a fixed object. That's what Torah Shubhtab is. It has words and it has explanations. And those explanations are the Torah Shebaalpeh of the Torah Shubhtab. Not what we call Torah Shubhtab. Adai in but this does not include the power of assessment, of analysis, of development, and the novel ways that we have of learning the Torah. That people could be able to extend the Torah, extend the Torah. This I remind you, I remind you, this is what the Ramban says at the beginning of the parasha Baalotcha about the, the Medrash that Rashi quotes is that the that Aaron Akoin, when he saw 
Aaron Cohen, when he saw that the Nisi'im, that the princes of each shaved brought special korbanot, special korbanot to for Hanukkah Tamizbeach in order to show that, to, to inaugurate, to inaugurate the Mizbeach. So Aaron Akohen felt faint. And he said, look at them. They're getting to inaugurate the Mizbeach and not me. So the Ramban says, I don't understand. Of course they did. Of course the Kohanim were involved. The Kohanim had to actually present the Korban, had to give it, had to slaughter it, had, and he did all of these things. They were just as involved as in the Siyim. So the Ramban says, why is Aaron fainting? Why is he unhappy? So he, the Ramban, says it himself, as if you look at the Psukim at the end of Natso, the Nisiim, the Nisiim were enjoined to bring a korban chatat, a sin offering. <laughs> and Aaron said, I don't understand. You're not allowed to bring a sin offering unless you've done, committed a sin. You can't just bring a sin offering on nothing. So Aaron Akoin realized that they had set the standard and the style for the inaugurations. And the same thing would be done in the time of Shlomo Amelech. And the same thing would be done in the time of Ezra Hasofer. And the same thing will be done in the time of the Mashiach. All of that, all of that Torah kind of being invented by the By the Nisiyim, by the princes. So Kodesh Bokhu said to Aaron, don't worry. You're going to be much more. You're going to get much more. What are you going to get? You're going to get the Hanukkah menorah. One week every year, all of the Jewish people are going to take the menorah, put it in their house, and light the world with the light of the Torah. Now, what is that light that they were that they were promised, that Aaron HaKon was promised? You look here. A person can invent a halacha, in other words, I don't mean invent like in a negative way. I mean that every person can reach understanding of the Torah that is deeper, that is newer, that is something that we didn't know before. This wondrous power, Talmud, it's called learning. And it includes the seven wisdoms, the seven, seven lights. All of the all of the energy that is necessary in order for this kind of 
analysis to go to go on. So that's the ha make That's the ha make So it may be. It may be that. The Kohen who hit that, hit that uh, cruise of oil was an optimist. But it may also be that the Kohen who hit that cruise of oil knew something about oil and about the light that was produced by the oil and the reason that the oil had to be of a certain type and a certain kind of purity and a certain kind of a level of of light all of that all of that is about hanukkah so i thank you daniel for your insight and i hope that the nitziv finds favor in your eyes all the best be well have a wonderful shabbos thank you very much have a happy hanukkah and a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Be well.